Hello and welcome to Smash Notes, a podcast that brings you weekly summaries of the best podcasts on the internet. Before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that SmashNotes.com has a new feature, Search. You can search for your favorite podcast or a podcast you've heard before on Smash Notes. You can also look for different questions, kind of like, what's the meaning of life? Or, will a billion dollars make me happy? And then you'll find notes to a particular podcast that's been covered on Smash Notes. It's really exciting. Give it a try. Now, to start off this episode, I'd like to start with a podcast called Hustle. It's produced by design agency FunSize out of Austin, Texas. On this episode, Anthony Armendaris and Dan Moll are talking about the long-lost art of apprenticeships, how it is an invaluable way to teach new skills, and why it's so much better than internships. It's like apprenticeship is when you take somebody and you say, I'm going to show you the ropes. Like I'm going, you are going to like, if you think about the way that blacksmiths were apprenticed in the 1800s, they would, you know, you take a seven year old kid and you'd go, you're going to move in with me for the next nine years. And they move in with you and you teach them how to blacksmith, but you, you don't just teach them the craft. You teach them how to be a professional. You teach them how to wash their clothes and make their bed and be clean and cook and how to charge a customer when they come in and how to do customer service and how to speak to someone who wants a new horseshoe on their horse. Like you, all of that stuff. It's not just, oh, let me show you how to, how to do the metal work or let me show you how to you know, use fire to melt stuff properly. Or, you know, I don't know what a blacksmith does, but like, it's, it's more than just that part. It's all the stuff around it. And, um, and there's not a lot of people that do that. There's, there are, there's the code schools and the general assemblies and all that stuff that take people and say, we're going to give you the trade. Like we're going to show you how to code Ruby or how to write JavaScript or how to set up node or, you know, or whatever. But there's not a lot of, let me show you how to meet deadlines. Let me show you how to scope a project. Let me show you how, show you how to make a client happy without compromising your own beliefs. Like that stuff, like I've, I've never seen a course on that. Yeah. Like I've never seen a, a Skillshare on that, a lynda.com course on that. <laughs> and I don't, think, I don't think those things are for that, but I think apprenticeship is where we can put some of those things. That was Dan Moll talking about his apprenticeship program called Super Friendly Academy. Take a look at the show notes for uh, more links to Dan, Anthony, the apprenticeship program, and other interesting subjects they cover in this podcast. The next episode is from a podcast called Below the Line with James Bashar. On this episode, James talks to a serial entrepreneur, Hidden Shah, about his new business called FYI and the remote work report that's made rounds on the internet this past week. In this report, Hidden surveyed over 400 people who work remotely and asked them how much they like it, what challenges they have, and what could be improved, and how remote work improves their lives. I definitely recommend you check it out whether you work for a company that works remotely or not. There are great tidbits there for both types of companies and something you can take home with you in order to improve your daily work and balance. And now here's a little sample of what Hidden had to say. Exact data is 60% of the people said they work remotely 100% of the time. 70% of them said that they've been doing it for three or more years. So that's the sort of demographic that we got. So we did get folks who are on distributed teams that don't work 100% of the time remotely and haven't also been doing it for a long time or for more than three years. The one interesting thing that is worth getting into is that recruiting and hiring point that you made, which we didn't go for in the report, but a lot of our tips, uh, some of our tips are around recruiting and hiring. I think it's basic. It, you have a, not even exponential, you have like a, I don't know, a million X or not million, maybe like 10,000, 100,000 X, the 100,000 times larger pool of people, potential people when you are thinking remotely. 
instead of thinking co-located. That's amazing. And that has lots of cost advantages or potential cost advantages and has lots of uh, advantages around reach and your ability to find the best person for the job, not just the best person for the job that's either in the area or the best person for the job that's willing to move to the area. And this isn't just relegated to technology companies. No. I, I think it's it can seem like, oh, that's easy if you're a software developer. But whether it's customer support, whether my dad runs a recruiting firm in yeah. Dallas, Texas, everyone is under one roof. But do they need to be? And probably not for what they're uh, for at least you know 60% of what they're doing. They probably wouldn't need to be. So, I mean, you could run a food truck and have a social media manager and uh and you yeah. know, a preparer yeah. that are same that with are the working. restaurant right yeah. yeah okay that was james bashar and hidden shah talking about remote work and honestly whether you have a remote company or not do check out this podcast because if you do have a remote company then you'll find some hints and tricks to make your company more efficient and make your employees happier and be able to uh, move faster if you don't have a remote company this might give you an insight as to how the remote companies are doing it and give you some ideas of how you can take your company and make it remote as well. By the way, there is something really cool about today's episode. Namely, it's put together entirely out of community segments. Usually I would listen to podcasts, make some segments, and then put them together into this podcast. But instead, today I just went through the Smash Notes feed, found the segments that looked interesting to me, and made podcasts out of them. To me, that means that soon you'll be able to experience even more Smash Notes tailored specifically for your desires and the topics of your interests. If you're a podcaster who'd like to create notes for your own episodes, or you're a passionate podcast listener who'd like to showcase your thoughts and learning and become a thought leader through podcasting, reach out to me, community at smashnotes.com, and let's hook you up with an account. All right, let's get back to the show. The next segment is from a podcast called Two Send Dad, and this is their interview with Jason Kalkanis. Many of you know Jason as a prolific angel investor and a loud Twitter personality. But I bet you don't know that Jason is also a great dad. And he's got some ideas of how to raise his kids so they could have the best in their future. I have taken it upon myself to teach my daughters. Um, and I have a seven-year-old and I have two identical twin 16-year-olds. And I'm no expert on parenting, but <laughs> I am an expert on entrepreneurship. And I am an expert on making your own way in the world. And with my seven-year-old, I take her to my incubator and she sits in. I talked to her about angel investing, what I do, and I told her in the past year she has the choice to go to college or she has the choice to open a business with her dad, and she can choose what she wants to spend that money on, and here are the pros to college, and here are the pros to starting your own business, and she can take the money and do whichever she wants. I mean this is at the age of seven. I'm having this conversation with her, and she's very fascinated by business, obviously, um, and if she wants to be an artist, that's fine too. She happens to have a dad who can afford to, you know, underwrite that. So <laughs> she's lucky. My dad could not. I, you know, I didn't have that privilege. My dad didn't have the ability to underwrite. Um, you know, did you, have, did you have artist aspirations, Jason? <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting you say that. Um, I it was never something presented to me as an option, mm. and so what was presented to me as a possibility was cop, fireman, or maybe you could wind up being a lawyer or a, you know a stockbroker. And so I think the expectations were set really low for me, and I think that did, you know, put me in a position where I just went with what I knew, which happened to be computers. So I got lucky mm -hmm. that that was the thing. Um, 
So we'll see whatever she wants to do, but um, she's I've been giving her an allowance. So if she gets the newspaper from the driveway on Sundays when I get the New York Times in print, if she brings up packages or she does some other tasks around the house, there's a dollar available. Uh, and uh, she's stay and then she's babysat some neighbors' birds, and they're super nice and give her like ten or twenty bucks a day for doing that, which is ridiculous. But uh, I told her if she wants to open this ice cream store, she loves ice cream. We will get her an ice cream machine, which literally arrived yesterday when she hit three hundred dollars in savings, and we bought the three hundred dollars savings ice cream. Now, if she can sell uh, fifty pints of ice cream to our family and friends. And she's keeping a book with the costs, so she'll know her cost of goods. She'll know what she can sell it for, and she's gonna. We've been doing the research phase, which has been wonderful, going to the top ice cream stores and trying the flavors and writing notes about which flavors people seem to be enjoying. So she's learning uh, market research. Mm-hmm. She's gonna learn cost of goods and unit economics, and she's gonna learn marketing when she starts selling this to people and she's going to learn customer support and success and feedback when they give her feedback on what flavors they like. And then I told her literally that we'll open a pop-up store, um, or a, uh, we'll go to a farmer's market and sell her ice cream. And, uh, then if that works out, maybe when she's 10 years old and my twins are five, we'll open a little ice cream store in our little town in the peninsula and she can have her own ice cream store at the age of 10 and work there after school. Boom. So I have I have my own plan. I don't think anything she's learning in school would ever allow for that level of, you know, focus, and it will give her a sick advantage over her contemporaries. And that, that's really what life's about. Is you know you got to have an edge because you know it. it I, you know people don't want to believe that the world's a zero sum game, and I can tell you, man, it, it is largely mm-hmm. a zero sum game. See, I love this attitude from Jason. He's an entrepreneur and he's clearly setting his child on the path where she's most likely to succeed in life. Jason is a kid from Brooklyn who went to a public school and then worked hard enough that he was able to climb to the top. And he's not afraid to admit that success is compounding. It's not just compounding for you personally, it's compounding for your family, generation from to generation to generation. It's in both in finances and knowledge. Take a look at the show notes for the link to Two Cent Dad podcast and Jason's episode if you want to hear more about parenting, entrepreneurship, success, and in general, learn more about Jason as a person. Also, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes, check out an episode about Ad Astra, a school where Elon Musk is sending his kids. It's a profoundly different approach to education, but it's also what's going to set his kids apart. And speaking of setting yourself apart, do you know of IndieHacker.com? It's a community for entrepreneurs to meet, mingle, discuss problems, and help each other. It used to be a two-man show run by two brothers, Cortland and Channing Allen. But recently, they hired a community manager. She's awesome, and she plays a big part in making Indie Hacker successful. Before joining Indie Hackers, though, Rosie started an online community called the Ministry of Testing. And you guessed it, it was a community for testers. You should check out Indie Hacker episode number 97 with Rosie if you wanted to learn more about her, how she started the community, and what she's doing now at Indie Hackers. But since we were just talking about setting your kids up for success and how life is a zero-sum game, I thought it was important to bring up this um, piece of the conversation where she explains how after she had her first kid, all of a sudden things changed for her as an employee. She was no longer an employee, she was a mother. And this is how a, uh, a society treats a mother. <laughs> This or you know society doesn't tell you this. It's like you know as as a mother or as or as you know, parents, 
you know, they, they like to say, yeah, you can have it all. You can have a job and, you know, you can have a career and you can have a family and it'll be fine. But actually it's not fine. And there's all these hurdles that no one ever talks about. And the reality of going back to work after you have kids is, is really hard and childcare is really expensive. And then even when I tried getting jobs after my first child, like a few months after, so they would talk to me, but then as soon as they found out I had kids, they would like, stop communicating. So I was like, okay, wow. this is how it's going to be. It was, it was really bad. It really is. It's like everywhere I went, that's how it was. What kind of companies were these? Were these like tech startups? or All, all kinds, to be honest. And a lot, a lot of them were, were recruiters as well. So, so it's sometimes at that, at that point, you know, we're going back to like 2004. It was hard to apply directly to companies. A lot of the jobs posted were jobs via recruitment agencies who they would pick who would, who to put forward. And I think because recruiters are just generally motivated by money, they would, you know, be very selective in who they would put forward. And, you know, if, if that person is a woman with kids, they would see that person as not being, not having the best chance in getting the job, I guess. I don't know. So, you know, it's hard to pinpoint it. Well, that was awful. On the bright side, this quote comes to mind. It says, I have no responsibility to live up to what others expect of me. That's their mistake, not my failing. Which is to say that if the society doesn't want you for whatever reason, it doesn't mean that you're failing. It means it's your opportunity to do something different, like start a business. Anyways, if you want to hear more about Rosie and Indie Hackers and her community, check out the episode. It's in the show links. Speaking of which, for the last segment on this podcast, I would like to share my interview with Jason Schuler. Jason was the founder of a company called Press75, which he started out of a failed client relationship that instead of crying about, he turned into a successful company. Here's a quick segment on how that happened. I don't know. I've always had this interest in video and video-centric content and, and building websites around video. There's something appealing to to that medium in, in my eyes and being able to design for it. And there weren't a lot of people doing that at the time for, for WordPress. And mm-hmm. so uh, the idea was create a really cool WordPress theme that is essentially um, like the Hulu for WordPress because mm-hmm. Hulu had just launched and it was literally just this grid of thumbnails and you click a thumbnail, you get a video. And so I wanted to see if I could replicate that in WordPress. And again, this is back in 2008, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think I put out an initial version for free and, um, a potential client saw it and he's like, Hey, you know, I would like to hire you to build this out a little bit mm-hmm. more. And I said, cool, cool. That's great. And so I built it out. The client didn't pay. And so I told my wife, I said, hey, you know, let's try and just put this um, this build up online, you know, as a paid product. And so, again, the story goes, I, I went for a walk. I came back and it had sold a couple hundred copies or something like that. Yeah. There was there was a decent amount of money. But again, my wife thought it was a fluke. She's like, ah, we can't build a business out of this. Um, but I just kept, kept on it, kept doing client work for a couple, uh, months, but at the same time building new WordPress themes and building the actual front for the business. And I think after one or two more WordPress themes, she, she was, she was well on board. I think it was three months later, we were making more via WordPress themes than we were via client work. See, 
I absolutely adore this attitude because when something goes wrong, most people would complain and talk about it and say how the world isn't just to them. And, and that's probably normal, but it's not normal for entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs take that situation in their hand and figure out a way to make it better and then grow and make it into a successful life event. I think that's amazing. And if you don't do that, it pays to constantly think about that and try to remind yourself and figure out how to turn every situation into a positive outcome. And speaking of positive outcomes, if you're enjoying this episode of Smash Notes, please tell your friends. The more listeners we've got, the more successful the show will become. And that's it for today. Check out show notes for all the details. And do check out smashnotes.com as there's going to be a lot of changes coming to the website, and I promise you're going to love them. Okay, see you next week. This is your host, Kirill Zubowski.